What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Glory UGA Podcast. I'm Tyler, and here with me on the other end of the line, as he is each and every week, is my co-host Curtis. And right now, it looks like we're on the verge of some uh, potentially breaking news on the basketball front with reports that we are in the process of finalizing a deal with former Indiana coach Tom Crean to become our new men's head basketball coach. Now, saying that, this news, as of this recording, has still not officially broken. There's some reports out there that we are in the midst of finalizing the deal, but we haven't got any word that the deal is officially finalized at this point. So after the whole Thad Mata mess, we're going to hold off on commenting any further on that until we 100% hear a deal is done. Once we hear that, then we'll definitely uh, uh, hit the record button and uh, do another show for you guys. We'll probably have that for you early next week, probably on Monday. So if that news does indeed break, which right now it, it looks highly likely, but we're going to hold off until it actually breaks. But when and if it does actually break, we will definitely have a show for you guys on that. So be looking forward to that, hopefully here in the next couple of days. But in the meantime, that means today we're going to forge ahead with our originally scheduled programming which is the latest edition of our Spring Practice Primer Series. This time, we're going to be setting our sights on the wide receivers and defensive backfield. But before we get into all that, I do just want to remind everyone out there that you guys can follow us on Twitter, at Glory underscore UGA. We'd love to get your thoughts on everything going down right now. There's a lot happening right the baseball season's uh, in full swing right now, tennis season as well. I don't know, I know not a ton of you are into, t- into tennis, but I know... Uh, we do have a great tennis fan base out there. So, you got any thoughts on that? We'd love to hear it. Curtis and I are big time tennis fans. Uh, obviously, spring practice is is essentially here. So, got a lot of football stuff coming your way. We'd love to hear your thoughts on what's going down this spring. And of course, uh, the basketball question here: what what happens with the head coaching position if it is indeed Kareem? We'd love to hear your thoughts on that. So, again, hit us up on Twitter at Glory underscore UGA. I uh, want to make sure everyone also knows that you can find us on a, a variety of different podcasting platforms out there. Of course, the first place to find us is where we got started a couple years back, and that's dogsportsradio.com. If it's easier for you, you guys can download the Dog Sports Radio app straight to your smartphone. Uh, however, if uh, iTunes, SoundCloud, some of those bigger p- platforms, if that's more your style, you can find us there. You can also find us on the Stitcher and TuneIn apps as well. And wherever it is that you find us, uh, we would certainly, sincerely appreciate it if you would uh, take a little bit of time, just quickly, it takes maybe uh, 30 seconds or so to rate, review the show, share the show, whatever it is. We certainly do uh, appreciate all of you listening. Anything you do to help us kind of spread the word is also greatly appreciated. But with that out of the way, Kurt, let's go ahead and get into some football talk here on our regularly scheduled Football Friday. Now we're going to start with the wide receivers. We'll get to the DBs momentarily. I do want to start with the wide receivers here. Now, Javon Wims is a guy that really, really had a big year for us in his senior year. Uh, he held down that X receiver or split in position pretty much from the get-go last year. Uh, and there really was not. I mean, there wasn't a ton of rotation in that position last year, was there? No, not really. There really wasn't, especially as he kind of hit his stride about the midway point last year through the rest of the season. Like, he was the guy. Uh, and he was pretty much the guy unless he needed a quick breather. So I guess the first question here today, Kurt, in terms of the wide receivers is this. How difficult will it be for us to find a suitable replacement for Wims during the spring? Um, you know, I don't think it'll be the, the most difficult thing in the world because um, the thing is, when Wims went out in the national national championship game, you really saw Riley really step up. And, you know, it, to me it was about time because, I mean, coming into the season, I expect really to be a – Yeah, a, where you know, was he most of the season, honestly? I, th- I think that suspension really got him in the doghouse, to be honest. It, it must have. And I think also when you have – 
Wim's playing really well. Well, Godwin playing playing well. Mind they weren't gonna. He wasn't gonna pass up Wims once Wims played on out of his mind. And the emergence of uh, Nicole Hardman pushed that because then Terry had to go to the position where Ridley would have played. And we really like. I know sometimes we out there where it looks like four wide receiver sets, but it's really three true receivers and a tight end. We rarely run true four wide sets. So it's like when you go to a three receiver set, like where do you find where do you find a place for Riley uh, unless Wims is getting a breather or something. Exactly, and and see that's the biggest thing, like you said. And so once the national championship game started, or you know started, I mean, uh, Wims came out, got hurt, and then uh, Ridley came in. And um, other than that long catch that Nicole has for the touchdown, other than that, um, Riley was our most consistent um, wide receiver that game. Especially, he was the one that's for the most part able to match up with the physicality of those Alabama defensive backs. So I think just him to start with, right there, is a you know, I mean, he's not the size of Javon Wims, but he's a very physical receiver who knows how to get open and use his body. Yes, you, you mentioned that in the national championship game, six catches, eighty yards against maybe probably the best defense in the country. I mean, that's that that's those aren't bad numbers. I mean, those are legit numbers against that defense. Uh, so yeah, you're right. I mean, Riley really definitely stepped in, had a big game in place of an injured Wims in, in the national championship game. Uh, so I, I think you're right. You have to imagine he's going to open at least open this spring as the starter at that exposition, right? Yeah, yes. To open the season, definitely. I mean, I think there's going to come down to three guys for that position. But starting the starting spring, it'll definitely be him. I think out there with uh, Terry and Nicole. Do you see Ridley leaving the spring as the starter on the depth chart? You know, I think there. It's hard to I project, but if you had I to predict, because I think it's so hard to pass up. Um, you know what you have in him. You have a sure-handed guy who catches the ball pretty well. He's very physical. The other two guys, um, even though you know my, the, the the other two guys to me that are up for that position are Matt Landers and JJ uh, Holloman. The thing is, um, Matt Landers he registered last year, and so you know he played well in the. Uh, or you know you heard a lot of good things about him from uh, the scout team, but at the same time you still don't know what you have with him going with the first team and everything. So I think he, to me, he's he's still a little bit of an unknown. While he did well in the scout team, it's just you just don't know. And then the other thing about it, if he did well in the scout team, so again on the scout team, you're going against the number one defense, and you're having a scout team quarterback throw the ball to you. So if you if you think about it, like I think Landers could be a legit challenger for that spot. If you look at that, oh, no, I really think he can. I, I just you know to me it's so hard because he, he's we haven't unknown. seen him. We have not seen him since he was in high school. So you just don't know. You're right. There's an exactly. unknown factor there. And, and, I mean, as well as. Uh, as Landers may have played, I still have to say our defensive backs were nothing to write home about. Last year? Yeah. I, I think, well, yeah, we'll get to them momentarily here. I think that's, that, but, that's, yeah, that's a fair that's assessment. Saying, I mean, if you're going against any team that had a heartbeat throwing the ball, put up some yards against us. So, I mean, while it is something to do it against the first team with some scout players around you, it still doesn't say a lot for how bad our DBs were, especially where he matched up size-wise and you have short people like Parrish and some of them. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you there. Not the next question I have for you is I agree with you that that's Matt Landers and JJ Holloman who are probably the two guys that are going to be the biggest challengers. I mean, who knows? Maybe someone will come out of nowhere. Maybe a Trey Blunt comes in, in into the picture or there. Here's Jackson, one of those. Yeah, here's Jackson certainly could could factor in the equation. There's possibly we don't know. But I, if I'm looking at it now, I'm with you. I think Landers and Holloman, the two guys in my mind, and I'm looking at that exposition to kind of push Ridley. Uh, of those two, Landers and Holloman. Which one do you think is going to make the the most serious push to take that starting spot from Riley Ridley? I think it's going to be um, Matt Landers because the thing is, J.J. Holloman has a very similar body to Riley Ridley. So very. while he may have some certain things that make him you know stand out over Ridley, um, it's I think just he's potentially more athletic and more explosive than Ridley is. But in terms of your, their body type, you're right; they're 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 not too far off. 
Well, and the one thing, though, that I think holds Holloman back is he's still not a sure-handed receiver yet. He, well, uh, he wasn't in high running. school. Do we, I mean, we, do we know that now? Because he's another guy that we really haven't – we didn't see much at all last year. Well, yeah, I mean, we don't we don't know it's one hundred percent, but it's it's he has that. history of it of it being his his Achilles heel. Yeah. So until he proves you wrong with that, then you'll see it. But I True. think Matt Landers, like he has the height, and um, I mean, what we've heard is he's gotten stronger. So I think just the height may be the one thing that sets him apart and sets him differently from Riley Ridley. I mean, I'll say this: I love JJ Holman's body. Uh, just the way the guy, he just looks like a player yeah, out there. Yeah, you saw it when he was still, eight, what, 17, maybe 18 in the, his first spring when he enrolled. Just worried about the house again. Yeah, absolutely. He was, I mean, the dude is a man out there. There's no doubt about it. Uh, he, he just, God, he looks the part. And you saw, you saw him flash a little bit in spring practice last year. But, I mean, he's he's about six one and a half, six two. Right around there, about two one ninety five, two hundred pounds, and that's essentially what, uh, like you said, that's essentially what Riley Ridley is. Whereas Matt Landers, the the element he has to the equation, the other guys don't. He's he's six five, like he's a legit six five. Now he's a a very thin six five, you know, one ninety five. Kind of reminds me of Fred Gibson type body, where tall and lanky. Um, but he does bring that to the equation. That I don't know, is, is there anyone else on the team at that position that has that six five? Not, not right now. This spring. Yeah, not right now. So uh, I think that's something that he, he brings to the table that others don't, which maybe potentially could give him a, a slight edge. I do think, and this is – I haven't seen these guys since they were in high school. They didn't really play much last year. But looking at them coming out of high school, and I saw both of them up close and personal at seven-on-seven camps when they were uh, uh, rising seniors. And, and Landers up here in Athens. And he – he definitely looked the part. He, he made some great plays, uh, really nice ball control or body control in the air. But he he's, he was simply, at least as a rising senior, not as athletic as J.J. Holliman. He was bigger and taller, but the athleticism and explosiveness that J.J. Holliman had was not in Matt Lears. Now, maybe he's developed that over, over the last year and a half or so. It's certainly possible. Uh, so, I don't know. It's interesting. It's like maybe it's kind of sheer athleticism versus a guy that has the sheer size. We'll see how that kind of plays out. Uh, but I would say, tell me if you disagree, I think that Landers – and Holloman both have higher ceilings than Riley Ridley. Um, I think that's very true. I think Ridley's kind of hit his ceiling because I mean, his, he does. He's not the fastest guy. He's not the tallest guy. I don't, know, I, I don't know if he's hit his ceiling. What I would say is he's closer to his ceiling than those two are to theirs. So that's maybe yeah, why he I mean, might have like a leg the other up. Two are still raw and untapped. Right. Yeah. I mean, he's he's just a little bit more advanced right now, closer to his ceiling. But if the other guys, if one of them turns on JJ or, or Landers. Like their ceilings, I, I really believe, are higher than what Riley Ridley's is. Now, we'll see how that plays out, but that's just based on what I've seen from these guys, which is uh, admittedly nothing in, in college, essentially. It's all based on the, what they were in high school. That's all we have to work on right now. Uh, but I think their ceilings are certainly higher than Riley Ridley's. I just, again, think Ridley is a little closer to the ceiling right now and, and might be a little better, better prepared to play at this point. All right, so that's the exposition. On the other side... Uh, Terry Godwin really came on last season. You know, his first few years, kind of like, okay, this guy's kind of underwhelming. He's not quite living up to his five-star billing. But last year, I don't know if he quite lived to five-star billing, but he certainly made a huge jump. 38 catches for 639 yards. And you have Miko Harbin, who played essentially exclusively in the slot last season, for the most part. And he kind of semi-exploded late in the season after really struggling uh, early to kind of adjust to the wide receiver position after working at DB all his freshman year. Um, now, it's... Is it safe to say that Hardman and Godwin, along with Ridley, are the odds-on favorite to leave this spring as the starters in our three wide receiver sets? Is that the is that fair to say? Well, I think that's one hundred percent fair, especially uh, Godwin and um, Harden. I don't 
think there's anyone on the roster right now that's going to pass them up. And I, in my opinion, I think Nicole may be one of the um, dark horses for best receivers in the nation. Or not the nation, but the SEC, yeah, at least. If he, if, he so, may, if he makes the logical jump from what he was as essentially a brand new wide receiver. Like, not, he dude didn't yeah, even play he, in high school. similar to a Debo Samuels. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, truly, guy did not even play the position in high school. Did not play the position. He was a quarterback. He had the ball in his hand. Full time playing over next. He was pretty darn good. The problem was lost. In the Notre Dame game, that... Dude, that could have cost us a shot in the playoffs. Absolutely. But he, now to his credit, he he kept at it and recovered late in the season, made some huge plays for us. I mean, he was learning early in the season. So I, I agree with you 100%. I think it's uh, it's pretty clear those are probably the three top guys coming in the season. I think the biggest question is how you blend Godwin and Hardman together. Because to me, those are both guys who, at least in my view, I see them as best suited to play the slot position. But they aren't both going to be doing that unless we are running two four wide receiver sets. And the thing is, we've done exceedingly little of that over the first two years of the Jim Chaney uh, era running the offense. So I guess the, the thing would be here, the thing you have to consider, Curtis, who would you have in the slot uh, out of those two? And who would you have out wide playing that Z or flanker position? Um, well, I think it's obvious, in my opinion, that you have Nicole in the slot, Terry in the outside, because Terry has a little bit more experience on the outside of doing so. Yeah, I mean, it's and the Nicole, only thing like you do. said, is still so raw that position that you don't that just keeping him in one position and letting him come up that way is probably best for his um, his maturity and things, right? That his development. Yeah, I, I think that's the right answer. I think uh, it's just it's frustrating because I still I've, I've been on this for years now, but I, and I will maintain my position that Terry Godwin's best position is in the slot. Now I've I acknowledge that he can play outside. He can. I just think he's better in the slot, but it's it's yeah, troublesome. He, I mean, he is better in the slot, but I have to say this. I think Nicole's a better slot receiver than him. Absolutely, he is. He's a, he absolutely he, is. He, I mean, that's the thing. And I think next year— well, The problem is, Nicole, just right now, you're like you said, he's not ready to play outside. And Terry at yeah. least can play outside. So you don't really have much of an option. And see, I think if we have one—I think, you know, while we— I could see us going to a little bit more four wide receiver sets this year. Uh, you know, not a lot, but just the fact that we're finally, for hopefully, going to have a quarterback in year two under the system that's someone that really digs into the system like you'd have with Jake. But at the same time, um, I think if we want to be our best team, we're just going to have to be one of these teams that attacks you in the uh, kind of similar to a West Coast style, really. Sling it around. Where you're just trying to get them in the open field, you know, hit the routes. Up like that yeah hot routes and um option routes and things like that because that's what i mean especially i mean you're that's modern football yards but that's gonna be best for terry uh and i, I fully expect we ran a pretty we we ran a pretty expansive rpo package last year uh, we really did but i would expect us to open that up even more this year with Jake Fromm going into his his sophomore season, if he is indeed the guy that wins the job. Uh, and if he doesn't, then you have Justin Fields back there who with his legs open up a whole nother a whole nother like layer of what RPOs can actually because we didn't really have the quarterback run element added to RPO system last year. So it could really, really kinda of take us to the next level there if he ends up winning the job. But regardless of whether it's Fields and his legs, or whether it's from uh, as a sophomore with more experience, I fully expect the RPOs to be uh, more even more of a fixture in offense than it was last year. And those kind of those kind of things that Mecole could absolutely just eat people alive with, like it just destroy people, absolutely hundred percent. So I'm with you there. Uh, do you see any other players potentially challenging for those spots at the, in the slot and the Z position, or is it? Miko and Terry pretty much locked in at those spots right now. I mean, you'll have Crumpton, I think, put up a battle for. Um, he's not going to beat out Miko Hardman. There's no way. Yeah, so say he's just not as good as Miko. He's a so lesser version than Isaiah McKenzie, um, at least based on what I've seen. Uh, he, although I will say, at the open practice last year, 
I really liked what I saw out of. Um... Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's not like we don't. I mean, for me, it's personally, it's not that I don't like what he does. I just, I mean, Miko's just that. Miko's just better. Miko's is an elite athlete. Let's just be he's real. He's a game changer. He's the definition of someone like, like you saw in the Alabama game. Alabama scores and they're getting closer. All of a sudden, you just throw an eighty yard bomb to him. He t- takes it away and runs it down the field. That's just who he is. He absolutely he he burned him like it, it wasn't even close. It, it, it was, it's just a foot race, and he left him in the dust. It wasn't even close. And that was the guy that I mean, just still just scratching the surface of what he can be at that position. So I'm really excited to see what we can do with Miko next year. Uh, you mentioned Kiaris Jackson uh, a, a little bit earlier. He's into the drills. Honestly, I mean, I think he'll be at the same position as Terry, more than likely, in my opinion. But I don't see him backing that much to me. I mean, to me, he's I think he is honestly a candidate for a red shirt. Unless he just comes out, dude, and he just wows people. I yeah, because, I mean, yeah. he's going to have to beat out Trey Blunt and all those type people. Don't forget about Tyler Simmons, who's a guy that I, yeah, I really like. There, we were hearing a lot of good things about Simmons last spring. and last. I mean, I saw the, well, the first spring scrimmage last year, got a chance to watch that, and Tyler Simmons was tearing it up. Like When I saw that, I was like, dude, this guy is going to be a legit player for us this year. Uh, and we saw him uh, a little bit in the in the uh, the open practice last year. And he got hurt in that in that in that practice. We actually saw him go down. And after that point, you know, it's kind of like he just he fell behind. So this might be a guy that's under the radar who might actually push him to play now. He got in there a little bit late in the season, more as a blocker than anything. He's actually he's a, he's not a huge guy, but he's pretty thick. Uh, and he, he's a physical receiver. You know, he gets a lot of uh, credit at least coming out of high school as a recruit that, with for his speed. But the guy's actually a pretty physical player. Uh, so he has some time out there. But I I was really impressed with what I saw from him during the preseason last year. So I'm not going to completely count him out, but with what Terry did last year, I think it's like it's going to be really hard to get him out of that pitcher, is it not? Especially the lead. And from what we're hearing, the leader, Terry's become the offseason. Also. Yeah, I mean, Terry, yeah, he's a, he's a senior. It's, yeah, it's going to be tough. But I wouldn't be surprised to see... Uh, Simmons work himself into a role where he gets some playing time, kind of like what Ridley did last year. When one of those guys needs a breather, you throw him in there. I would I would not be surprised to see that because I, I think the guy has some talent. There's no doubt. I really do. Uh, no, I don't disagree with that. Yeah. All right. Let's flip it over to the other side and talk about the DBs. Uh, now, on the surface, opposing fan bases are looking at what we're losing from last year's secondary. You know, we had a, a four-year starter, Dominic Sanders, who's gone. He set the record for most career interceptions by a Georgia defender. Uh, we have essentially a three-year starter and jack-of-all-trades in secondary in Aaron Davis. He's gone. Then you got a, a two- to three-year-ish starter, depending on what you want to say about him, uh, with some of the injuries, and Malcolm Parrish. Uh, that, that's also gone. And so all, all of our uh, – all the opposing fan base on the service, they're looking at that, and they're claiming that, well, clearly Georgia's going to take a step back in the secondary next year. I think I know your, your position on this, on this curve. I'm going to ask you anyway. Do you agree with that assessment, or do you view this situation differently? I view it differently. In my opinion, right now, where, how I'm looking at it, I think we have two open positions in the defensive backfield. That's it. Um, I think really? that in my Two? Yeah, my, yeah, I only think there's two. In my opinion, I think safety-wise, you got J.R. Reed and Richard LeCount. Now, someone may push LeCount, but at the same time, I just don't think there's anyone that matches up with what he does right now. So, in my opinion, I see those two, honestly, in my, in my opinion, I think they may have the safety position locked down. And, and so, that's why, if it really comes down to it, I think the star position and the cornerback position op- opposite DeAndre Baker are the only positions open because Baker's not going anywhere. Two positions open. So, you're just going and giving it to LeCount. I mean, I'm not giving it to him, but you saw he was the first one off the bench at that true safety position in the games. I mean, especially early in the season um, when we had some injuries. When Aaron Davis was hurt? 
Yeah, I mean, he played a for... lot in the Notre Dame game. A yeah, lot. Yeah, exactly. He played a lot of those, and then you saw it later in the season. Made a big play in that game late the... in that game, too, actually. Yeah, and, he, and later in the season, when we bring the second team in, he's the first guy in the safety position. So, I think, I mean, and it showed that that's what, I mean, I think that they wanted to play him there as much as they could to get him experience for next year, knowing they were going to lose Sanders and all that. So, I mean, I'd be shocked if it was someone else, because I just don't think, I mean, you safety-wise, right now you have uh, Tyreek McGee maybe tried to, and then you also have maybe Trey Bishop. and Latavius Brini. Yeah, and since Maybe D'Angelo Gibbs. Well, let's just say Gibbs won't be here this spring because he, he's not enrolled, so he can't go through the spring practice. Right. So that's why I say, in reality, I think it's those the Reed and uh, LeCount have that position. Yeah, and just the caveat, to, for those of you who haven't tuned into the first couple episodes of our spring practice primary series, when we're talking about uh, spring practice and who's going to be contending for jobs, we're focusing on guys that are going to be practicing during spring. So I know we have a lot of big-time players coming in. Uh, in the 2018 class, they'll be here for fall camp. But like you know, Tyson Campbell, for instance, a beast. But he's not going to be here this spring, so it doesn't do us any good to talk about him right now. We'll get to him later on in the off season. But right now, we're focused on guys that are here this spring. Um, yeah, look, I, I think you're 100 right that Richard Clowns was clearly last year being groomed to take over uh, for Dominic Sanders. Honestly, I think Kirby in an ideal world would have played him more last year. But you heard when Kirby was ever when he was asked about him, he talked about D'Angelo Gibbs and and his interviews and Kirby. I, I got to give him credit is notoriously honest about his players, and I love that about him. You know, he, he doesn't beat around the bush. He'll tell you exactly what he thinks. And the players might not love that, but as a fan, I do love that because you get some of these coaches. Like, I know Mark Rick did this. Now, he, Mark Rick would give us some information from time to time, but not like Kirby. Kirby tells exactly how, how he sees it. Um, but he essentially, what I got from him was that the Count's crazy talented and crazy good, but he always called it rat holing. You know, this the old football is like rat holing, where you're just running around and just going crazy. Like you have no idea what you're doing. You're just running around trying to hit somebody, and that's yeah, fine when you're in high school. Yeah, that's fine when you're in high school. But when you're playing big time SEC football, you can't do that. You just can't. So Kirby couldn't trust him out there. Um, but I do think that trust was kind of uh, building as the season went on, and uh, you did see him getting there a little bit more towards the end of the season in certain packages. And, and I, see, I, Kirby was also personally coaching LeCount Gibbs. He took it he personally, could. yeah, for and sure. He would challenge, he would challenge them personally, do whatever he could with them. So it shows that, in all honesty, if anyone was the heir apparent, it was those two. He knows what he has in those guys athletically. I mean, come on, yeah, yeah and he knows the leaders he has. I mean, pretty much that. I mean, in my opinion, LeCount Gibbs. I mean, Gibbs won't be doing it, but those two are like what he dreams of, what he wants there. I'm just telling you guys this. Like, I'm not. I, I don't know. It's hard to predict. We don't know as a first year starter potentially. If he does win the job, we don't exactly know right now how Richard LeCount's going to play. But I'll tell you this, this, the second he steps on the field as a starter, he'll instantly be five times minimum, five times more talented than Dominic Sanders ever was, okay? Now, Dominic Sanders that, is a good player. Dominic Sanders is a good that, player, okay? I'm not five times more physical. Yeah, absolutely. And look, I'm, I, Dominic Sanders, you don't start for four years by accident. The dude was a good player. Now, he wasn't the most athletic guy in the world. He wasn't always the best tackler, you know, but... He was a very good player for us. He, he did a lot of good things for us. But I'm, I'm just, and, I'm, and, I'm, and maybe Richard Clown won't ever achieve that level. Who knows? But athletically speaking, it's not even, it's no contest. It's not even close. It's just, it's just simply not even close. The the aggressiveness of which he plays, uh, the velocity and the violence uh, with which he, he brings the equation in terms of, of bringing ball carriers down. And he it's obviously just, has great ball woo, skills to get talked about. The, the kid's insane. He's insane. Yeah, he, he, I mean, in, in high school, too, he played receiver, so the guy knows how. He has, I mean, you may think, all right, well, we're losing the interceptions and things like that with Sanders. Well, you're really not losing some. We're not. Some, uh, LeCount's not someone that lacks in the ball skill set. 
Department. Yeah, and if you don't, if you, I know you obviously you probably watched him some play last year. If you watched all of our games, but if you haven't seen this guy play uh, a full game, see him play extensively, like you're in for a treat. I mean, this this dude is the real deal. I mean, he is, and it, I don't want to set the expectations too high on him as a, as a potentially first year starter, but I mean, it's hard not to because he's he's insanely gifted. There's just no doubt about that. Um, so you're just giving that position to him. Is there anyone like if you had to look at someone else who might potentially challenge him for that spot? Who would be his biggest challenger? Um, probably, um, McGee. You think so? You, you, so you see Tyree McGee transitioning more from the cornerback and star position to safety. Well, I think the biggest reason for that is because, uh, there's a lot of challenge at that cornerback position. I think it, with that one position, I mean, you got him, Speed, and Mark Webb really pushing for that position. William so, Poole, I mean, don't forget about Poole. Well, yeah, Poole, too. And that's what I said. I mean, yeah, he got some PC last year, but I think if he, if realistically, he, I think he'd be better off in the star position. Um, especially when you have Webb and Speed, those two specifically have more of what they want with the longer type body. Well, it's pretty clear when you're looking at the guys that were targeting at the, the cornerback position over the last couple of classes, it's clear the pattern is we want to get longer and taller at that position. And Speed, Webb, they're all over six foot. They bring that to the table. McGee. Not so much. Um, that doesn't mean he can't play and Kirby won't play him. But you're right. I, I think the other guys have a little bit more of the characteristics that we that we're kind of targeting in cornerbacks at this point. So we'll see. It'd be interesting. The one guy I'm really really intrigued by is Trey Bishop. Does he do anything for you at all? I think he'll challenge. I just he's just so raw. He's one of these. Um, he's also another guy who's an insane athlete. Yeah, he's similar to Nick Marshall in my opinion. That's fair. Both quarterbacks in high school are really, really athletic guys who probably long-term fit at uh, in the in the defensive backfield. And Bishop learned that before he got to college. You know, Auburn was recruiting him. He was originally committed to Auburn. And they were recruiting him as a quarterback to run their system, which which makes sense, kind of like they did with Nick Marshall. But we got into his ear, and we convinced him, "Hey, dude, like your long-term future obviously is in the defensive backfield." Look at Nick Marshall. Yeah, he played quarterback for Auburn, but he ain't playing quarterback in the NFL. He tried to make it as a as a DB. So why don't you just come here as a DB from the get go, learn how to play that position, and then you make the big bucks in the NFL? But you're right; he's so, he's so raw at that position. But dude, if he ever turns it on, like his athleticism is off the charts. And his length six three two oh five, off the charts. Say, yeah, he's got a great body. That, like you said, the six three two oh five, which for a safety or even a star set like that, I mean that's dangerous. I mean, whew. I mean, it's cr- like if he can if he can ever figure it out, if he ever puts it all together, and I don't know if he ever will. I, I don't know if it's going to be this year. Chances are, it's probably he might not be ready this year. But hey, Jr. Reed, you know, if he ain't be there forever. Maybe he, maybe he's a guy that's going to fill in for Jr. Reed at some point. I don't know, but like I don't want this is a guy that I don't want to completely write off. Yeah, I think he might have a little bit more work to do. We don't know. We didn't see him play much last year, really at all. Um, but he's a guy just athleticism, body. Uh, I like his upside. We will just got to see if he ever turns the turns the turn kind of meets his potential and turns it up a little bit. I don't know. So well, I'm, I'm definitely going to keep, keep an eye on him for sure. If you're looking at the cornerback position, we t- touched on this a little bit. So you don't think Tyreek McGee is much of a cornerback at this point. I, but I see what you're saying. Maybe it's not so much him. It's about the other guys that we had that maybe fit yeah, what that's, we're that's looking what for. I see it. it's, not a, it's not him. It's more or less I think the other guys fit what we want. And I think that McGee would be better suited at the star position personally. Okay, that's fair. So you see him more as the star. So who are you going to look at? That It's probably going to be the boundary cornerback position. I imagine uh, if I had to pick right now, I would say DeAndre Baker has – is going to be lining up more so as uh, I'm sorry, he'll be lining up as the boundary corner. This position, I, I imagine, is more for the field corner position. Typically, you're better cover guys on the boundary because 
that's where quarterbacks simply throw the ball. They don't want to throw those uh, hash mark, those far hash throws any more than half because it's just a longer throw. They'd like to throw to the short side of the field more often than not. So you usually put your better cover guy there. So if you're looking at that field corner position, who? Are, I mean, right now it's it's honestly wide open. Like, how do you handicap that spot? Uh, to me, you know, I kind of mentioned earlier. I think it's down to three people with speed, um, Webb, and as you mentioned, William. William Poole, I think those three are the main uh, guys. And if I had to put two front runners, I'm going to go with uh, Webb and Speed. But I, 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 you know, like you mentioned, I don't think you can discount Webb. Or I mean, uh, Poole as much as anyone. Yeah, I, I, that's the that's the list I have, uh, and I think I'm with you. I think Speed and Webb are probably the two prime contenders, the top ones at least from the get go. Uh, you know, Mark Webb came in as a wide receiver. Uh, we, we saw him at the open practice last year working at receiver. He looked pretty darn good, in my opinion. But uh, a little bit later on in fall camp, we transitioned him to, to DB because we didn't have as, as many bodies in that position as we liked, and we needed more depth there. We had plenty of bodies at receiver, and Webb had played some DB in his background in high school, so he's an, and he, he has the body for it. I wasn't sure about the move at first because I, I liked what I saw from him at the, at the receiver position. I thought he was a guy that might actually contribute for us last year coming into the season at receiver. He looked really good when I saw him. But uh, our coaches thought otherwise, and I trust them because, hey, they know a lot more about this than I do. They see these guys a lot more than I do, so I'll go with them. Uh, and I heard – I don't know about you. I heard a ton of good things about him coming out of practice last season. Now, he didn't really get to see much time at that position, but I, I, so I, I really don't know. I, I've spent most of my time when he was a recruit watching him as a receiver. I didn't really pay much attention to him as a DB because we weren't recruiting him at that position at the time. At least that wasn't the thought. So – as a, as a DB, I really don't have much to, to go off of with Webb other than saying I think he has the athleticism, he has the body to do it, our coaches seem to trust him. And I will say this, if if our coaches didn't think he had the potential to play that position long term, wouldn't you think they would have transitioned him back to wide receiver? Yeah, 100%. And I think they said that pretty much, I mean, it's like a, it's, it's similar to Malcolm Mitchell's or situation, but I think that he was actually just better suited yeah. for that position. I think because now we have plenty of bodies in that, posi- that position. So it's not a matter of, hey, we need you over here right now just for depth purposes. I think the fact that he's staying over there, I think that speaks volumes about what our coaches think about his potential in that position. And when, it, when the position is as wide open as it is, I, I think the guy has a legit shot. I really do. I mean, 6'1", 200, really good frame for that physical guy uh but you have a mere speed who's even longer 6'3 211 who is another guy that you know i saw him some in high school have we didn't see a ton from him this year we saw him in, in, in some garbage mop-up duty from time to time but you can only tell so much at that point so we just don't know and i think though if you look at it those are probably the two guys i would pinpoint as as the top two targets william Poole certainly uh, is in the equation i'm not going to discount him at all what about guy like eric stokes he's a guy that was he's incredibly fast but an insanely raw project type player coming out of high school, kind of off him at the last second. Is he ready to factor in at all? I don't think he ever will be ready to factor in. Uh, even that athleticism, that speed? Uh, yeah, because you have someone like a Tyson Campbell who has all that better. Fair. Yeah. I mean, Tyson, yeah, I don't know if you guys have seen Tyson Campbell's playing insane numbers in, in track right now. Like, it's just crazy stuff. Like, I'm going to say world class numbers, but some elite high school. 100 meter numbers it's crazy stuff i think he ran like a was it like a 10 i want to don't, don't quote me i think it was like a 10 3 or a 10 4 like something crazy uh so i mean the guy is just insanely athletic uh now you mentioned the star position you said tyreek mcgee is that the guy you think is gonna be the starting star for us throughout the spring um it wouldn't shock me because i mean who else at this point i mean you're right i think like, i know he's not here and we said we we're gonna talk about these guys i think d'angelo gibbs 
is we, a, a guy. Eventually, if he's back, I know he's he's he's, he's going to be fine. He's going to be back on the team from everything I understand. If, as long as things play out, he'll be fine. Um, but he's not going to be here this spring. So I, Tyreek McGee, yes, he has some experience playing that position. I think that's true. But he can't be the only guy. Who else are we going to give a shot there? Um, I mean, I honestly don't know at this point. I, I, in terms of bodies on campus, try, they may try to play Stokes there. They may try. I mean, they what, about, try what about like Latavius Brini? Well, yeah, that's true. That's what I'm saying. Like all these people that are, since we have so many, you know, the one cornerback spot locked up, I think you may see a big rotation between. Yeah, the I wouldn't be surprised at all. To, trying to get to get kids reps at both positions just to see what they can do. I wouldn't be surprised to see LeCount get some reps at star, maybe even Bishop. A pool, well, I wouldn't be surprised to see anybody. I mean, I think you're right. A rotation is to kind of see that. That's what spring is for: is experimentation, seeing where guys fit. So I wouldn't be surprised to see a lot of those guys get a few reps there, rotating in and out. But I think Tyree McGee's guy has some experience there. I agree with you that he'll probably be the one to get the first look there, and we'll see kind of how things play out. Maybe it just clicks for a guy that spot. We don't know. We'll see how that kind of plays out here over the next couple of weeks. Uh, we did mention these guys. Uh, we had two returning starters in DeAndre Baker and J.R. Reed. Uh, you kind of touched on this. So I just want to throw it at you, though, and make sure. How safe of a bet is it to expect those two guys to leave the spring with their starting positions intact? Is that pretty much a home run bet right there? Is that a lock? Wanna, uh, Reed and Baker? Yeah, is it a lock to say they're going to leave the spring as starters? Um, I would say about 99.9%. Like something crazy is going to have to happen at this point. Yeah, I mean, Baker could have gone pro, so I don't see him getting passed up by anyone in Reed really came on. He's probably one of our most sure-handed tacklers in the defensive backfield, and he just he just kept. And the thing is, he just kept improving throughout the season. So I'd be shocked if he wasn't a starter at either star or one of the safety positions. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you guys saw the stat from Pro Football Focus. When we give them credit for this number, it's, it's just incredible, though. I mean, against SEC opponents last year, DeAndre Baker, when he was targeted, held quarterbacks to thirty-eight point seven percent or thirty-eight point seven passer rate when he was targeted by SEC quarterbacks. That was the second lowest among SEC cornerbacks last year. Uh, that guy is not going anywhere. Like he's just not. I'm sorry. Nobody else is. I, I don't see anybody else being ready to to challenge that that kind of production at this point. Now, maybe later on. I don't know, but I don't see it right now. And J.R. Reed, the leadership he brings to the table, and, and the, just the stability there with all those guys uh, that that have moved on. You need somebody like that, don't you? Yeah, you do, and I think, yeah, especially like you said, with everyone that's moved on, I think uh, he brings a little bit more leadership to the um, defensive backfield than LeCount, and I think he could, him and LeCount back there could really feed off of each other. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. Yeah, you, It's really tough. You don't want to have two new guys playing safety if you can avoid it. Yeah, because there's got to be someone who can lead and with the communication. Coach has got to be able to trust somebody out there, man. Uh, hopefully they trust yeah. them all, but you got – I mean – it, he's really a security blanket. Having a guy like J.R. Reed back there, the coaches trust so much, and Kirby speaks so highly of, that's definitely a security blanket. I, I, like for someone to unseat him, like they're going to have to be head and shoulders above better than him. And I just don't know if anybody is ready to do that right now. At this point, the same thing with Baker. For somebody to take Baker's job, they're going to have to be like undeniably significantly better than him. And I just I don't know if anybody's ready to do that at this point. I, I can't sit here and say that I think that's the case at all. But it'll be interesting. You know, that's what spring practice is for, is, to, is for guys to make moves and make a name for themselves and kind of experiment, see where guys fit, and kind of just see how how everything uh, comes out, you know. And, and So we'll, we'll definitely see in the next couple of weeks. We'll have you guys covered here. Make sure to be checking back with us as, as spring practice progresses. We'll be, it looks like we'll be practicing every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday over the next couple of weeks, culminating with G-Day uh, in the middle of April. So it's exciting times, guys. We're actually going to have some football here. Now, unfortunately, we don't get to see it on TV in, for a while, but... 
it's something, right? It's something here. So I know I'm excited about it. I'm sure you guys are as well. But for now, that does it for us today here on the Glory UGA Podcast. We definitely appreciate you guys taking some time out of your day to listen to our show. Uh, if we do end up having some uh, official confirmation that Tom Crane's been named the new head basketball coach at the University of Georgia, we'll definitely have you guys covered early next week. Right now we're recording this show uh, early Thursday evening. So news is not officially broken yet. Now by the time you guys listen to the show, we might have already had some breaking news. But as of right now, this second as we're recording, we haven't heard anything official. As soon as that hits, we'll uh, definitely be recording some new content for you guys and give you our take on that. So we'll come to that early next week. But again, thanks for listening. For Curtis, I'm Tyler. And as always, go dogs.